0: Welcome to another episode of EC30. The conversation continues on racism in the gospel. It's season two. Today, we have a very special episode with Billy Michael Honor regarding voter suppression, uh, both historical, present day, what that looks like, as well as the new Georgia law SB202. Today's date, April 13th, 2021. I'm I'm telling you that because things may change in between uh, the time that we recorded this and whatever time you Either watch this on YouTube or listen on podcasts. Whether you're on YouTube or on the podcast, be sure and go and give us a uh, thumbs up. Uh, subscribe on YouTube uh, as well as on the podcast. Give us five stars. Leave us a review. That helps in the algorithm. Hey, the, the theme of season two is on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today is practical conversations meant to model what it looks like. Talking about not only having faith, but putting faith to action and not just thoughts and prayers, but our civic responsibility as well and what that looks like. Hey, with Billy, he is a public scholar, community organizer. Uh, he has been involved in the Georgia movement, getting people registered to vote, educating them, taking action uh, for many years. Now, you'll hear that in the podcast. I'm on, there are going to be links both in the description section of YouTube as well as in the podcast description. Be sure to click on those so you can learn about the topics. We talk about gerrymandering. We talk about historical voter suppression, some statistics as well. All that's going to be linked uh, below. I will say a quick prayer, and then we will get right into the conversation with Billy Michael Honor. God, thank you for this day. It has passed through your hand. Uh, You tell us if we lack wisdom to ask for it and you give freely uh, to those of us, Lord. So today we ask for your wisdom. Help us to set aside blind spots, biases, our own agendas, and listen about historical voter suppression, as well as ways that we can take action today to be better educated, to be more informed, to activate, to put our faith into action as part of our civic responsibility We pray this for the sake of your beautiful name and for your glory alone. Amen. Enjoy today's conversation again with Billy Michael. Honor. All right. Welcome to another episode of EC30, the podcast about racism and the gospel. The conversation continues. Season two's theme is on earth as it is in heaven. We do not have to wait before we stand before a holy God to celebrate diversity, recognize different gifts and talents we have. Even now we can do that as Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today's episode, we are blessed with the privilege to have Billy Michael Honor with us. And we're gonna be talking about voter suppression history. We're gonna be talking about the new laws in Georgia how those things affect us as believers and how we can advocate uh, for the marginalized, the oppressed, and how, again, we're not going to establish ourselves Republican or Democrat. We are more interested in what God has to say and how he wants to challenge us in this. Billy, welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So to give everybody who's listening, uh, this is going to kind of be out of order, but the season two finale, uh, Lecrae was interviewed that was done a couple of weeks ago. And when this new law passed in Georgia, Uh, bill number SB202, we'll end up talking about that. I reached out to Lecrae's Publishers, Jackie, who has been tremendous and asked her if she had contacts and she immediately put me in touch with Billy here because they've done some work together. Uh, Billy, why don't you do this? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the work that you did that made our connection and then give us a bigger picture about uh, your participation in the special election, things that you've been doing in Georgia uh, up and leading into now?
1: Yeah, well, no, first of all, thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. i um, happy that there are folks all over the country, uh, particularly people of faith, who are taking uh, an interest um, in what I think is a very, 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 very important matter um, in our civic and in our communal life, uh, which is voting rights. And so I'm really thankful for the conversation. But for the last several years here in Georgia, um, I've been uh, organizing people of faith uh, that's people in mosques, synagogues, and temples, obviously, uh, most of which in churches, uh, to get involved in what I think is is really a, a spiritual calling, and that is uh, civic life. Um, and a part of civic life is voting. And so we've been organizing people, uh, in what we call electoral organizing, more specifically, uh, from a faith-rooted uh, perspective to Uh, Not just to uh, turn out to vote, but before that, to register to vote, (laughs) Uh, because we still don't have uh, automatic voter registration at 18 years old in the United States of America. We probably should. But Mm -hmm. in Georgia, we don't. And so we have to get people registered uh, oftentimes. And so then there's voter education. Right. Uh, So once people get registered, then we've been helping them to also find out uh, what it means. Right, where do you vote? How do you find that information out? What's this ballot? Who's on it? <laughs> um, so we do that information, and then uh, there's voter uh, mobilization, uh, which means that once you get registered, once you get educated, uh, we've been helping them to uh, you know know when the dates are and be energized about turning out all of that before we even get to them voting. Um, and so obviously, we've been uh, helping to try to get people to to actually cast the ballot. And then after that, we've also been helping the last several years to help people to get their uh, vote protected. Because unfortunately, just because you cast a vote doesn't mean it's going to get counted. Mm. And so we've been doing protection as well, all from a faith perspective of getting faith leaders, pastors and others uh, to uh, try to get their communities and their members involved um, in some way in this process. And we've been doing that with the group called the New Georgia Project that I worked for for a lot of years. It was started by Stacey Abrams. Um, as a nonpartisan civic engagement organization. And I was responsible for organizing statewide activities around uh, the work that I've been talking about. So a couple of
0: things there that, that Billy touched on. All right. Uh, I'm going to say this up front. So Billy doesn't have to Facebook, social media can be a good thing. It is not much like Google, A source of truth in that there are state websites, federal websites where you can go to learn about how to register to vote. Uh, Give you an example. State of Alabama, you cannot cross vote. You cannot declare. uh, You have to declare Republican or Democrat for a ballot to vote on uh, in an election. And if there's a runoff, you can't vote at one party in the election and in a runoff if you voted. Republican, you can't vote in the Democratic runoff. Uh, there are things, not only do we need to have people learn how to get signed up to vote, you have to be educated on the process because for, it can be intimidating to learn those things. And if you're listening to your aunt's cousin's uh, pastor's best friend who has an essential oil company in West Virginia trying to educate you about voting, there are some much more trusted resources and websites that you can go to and organizations who can help steer you through this process? Because, as Billy has said, as people of faith, we have a also have a civic responsibility to press into this. Uh, this is one of those areas where thoughts and prayers is not enough. You know, you can't back up a truck full of thoughts and prayers for your ballot. It's something you have to do. Um, and and I'm I'm so thankful we're going to have this conversation because it goes beyond just. Preaching from the pulpit, this is practical application of faith in what we can do. All right. With that being said, uh, Billy, if you will, let's go back. Um, Oh, and for people as well, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, look below into the content section, or if you're listening to the podcast, scroll scroll up in the notes There's going to be the website uh, for both for Billy, as well as the action group he's spoken about, as well as I'm going to list the articles that we talk about in this discussion in the description. So you don't take our word for it. You can go look these things up. You can make sure that you're educated, you're prepared, you have these things in front of you to have conversations. Uh, So, Billy, now let's go back. Let's talk about people uh, in light of SB 202 or the recent special elections in Georgia, There have been discussions about voter fraud, uh, voter suppression, those type of things. Let's go back and just and take a big, a big, broad stroke at what voter suppression has looked like uh, in the history of the United States.
1: Yeah. So originally in the United States of America, voting was only reserved for people who own property. Uh, So from the very early uh, inception of voting in this country, it was restricted. Uh, to individuals whom the system deemed to be qualified to cast votes, right. So obviously, landowners was a very narrow segment of society even then, uh, in a much smaller population of America. But then, um, as things grew, you ended up getting most white white men had the right to vote. Uh, no one else, right, for the most part. And then the Civil War's fought, as we know. And then after that. Um, there are a certain amount of gains that are won uh, after the Civil War uh, for uh, so-called minority groups, which includes um, African-American, uh, mostly African-American men now begin to get elected uh, in the South uh, to serve in state legislatures. As a reaction to uh, the sort of political coming about of African-Americans, there was, uh, which we call reconstruction, uh, there was a reaction to reconstruction and we get groups like the Ku klux klan we get other groups that come up uh that really resisted this new formation of, of black civic power um and so what they did the first one of the early forms of voter suppression take for instance in uh jersey and other places was to say okay uh yeah the right to vote has been given to citizens uh uh, but only to those whose grandfathers had the right to vote before the Civil war, think about that <laughs> right right so um so that was a voter suppression tactic, right? <laughs> that was a way of of making sure that uh certain uh people in the population could not vote and so even after the Civil War, really until the mid twentieth century, um there was a very uh a very, very engaged process of voter suppression. Uh, that was in many ways legally justified intimidation at the polls in uh, uh, a lot of ways, particularly in southern states, uh, to make sure that that African-Americans, women um, of all nationalities and Jewish folks uh, basically uh, were intimidated. And their right to vote was fought against until, of course, the passage of the civil rights legislation in 1965, uh, the voting rights legislation, rather.
0: And let me let me uh, pause, let me pause everyone, you right there. Yeah. So. When he says the civil rights, 1965, guys, just pause. 65 years ago? 65 years ago. Okay. So, and also I want to touch on one other thing. Initially, voting started in this country, it was reserved for landowners, European landowners, those who own land or property were qualified to vote. So, those who uh, hopefully you're listening to this with an open mind, those who will say, hey, our Constitution says liberty and justice for all. Uh, that all phrase that we like to point to as being all inclusive, that all only referred to land owning males. So that all was a very precise word that was not deemed for everybody at the time. We look back now and go, well, that must have been everybody. It didn't mean everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, uh, voter suppression, as he mentioned, the grandfather clause. One of the things was there is a literacy test. Uh, even up until the 1960s in the state of Alabama, other states as well. I'm in Alabama, so I use as a reference. Mm -hmm. But there was a literacy test which involved civic questions about uh, different questions about the Bill of Rights or what are two reasons for the Constitution. Now, during slavery, slaves were not allowed to read or write or be taught how to read or write. And the way they got around this for if someone couldn't read or write who was white, this is the grandfather clause he's talking about, which is, hey, you can get the exception if your grandfather was able to vote back in uh, the Civil War, then the literacy test doesn't apply to you. The, and they were able to vote, so there's some other disenfranchisement as well. So sorry, sorry to interrupt you and go back to that, but oh, no, uh, yeah. let, let's yeah. also uh, talk about uh, poll, poll tax is another mm-hmm. example. Uh uh, another thing, there's stories, I'll, I'll make sure and link this as well. There used to be um, ballot boxes with the name of uh, the person running for office on the ballot boxes. And let's say there was four boxes there and they had the individual names. Well, if somebody couldn't read, let's think, you can't read, I can read. And 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 I come out and I'm able to say, hey, Billy, uh, who is it you're wanting to vote for? I want to vote for Mr. Smith. He, he most recognized what I say. Okay." Mr. Smith is the second box on the left. Well, it was not uncommon halfway through the day for those boxes to be moved around so that those who couldn't read wouldn't know where they were casting their ballot. They were trusting somebody who had been there earlier in the day to cast a vote. And they put it in that box, not knowing that they had been shuffled around. So, all right, uh, my apologies. I'm I'm getting ahead here of uh, some other ones uh, you, you mentioned also. Uh, some of the states, uh, another was that states implemented a restriction that felons could not vote uh, as well. We we talked about women getting women getting the right to vote, then women of color, minorities, Jewish people getting the right to vote. Uh, still, there's a couple of states where felons are permanently uh, disqualified from voting. Even now, they can't regain the rights up until the, the recent article that I'm going to link, uh, Iowa, Kentucky, Virginia. Three states that still say, "Hey, if you've ever been convicted of a felony, you don't get that right anymore." All right, but back back to more examples. So we stopped at this, at the civil rights, and now uh, yeah, keep yeah. coming forward.
1: Yeah. So, uh the thing to, the thing to keep in mind is that the the nineteen sixty five voting rights legislation. Uh, so all of the voter suppression tactics that. Uh, David just mentioned, as well as a lot more, uh, were said to have been remedied by putting in the civil rights legislation, which basically said that um, the federal government would take it upon itself uh, to protect the right to vote of all citizens, right, uh, to make sure that the type of tactics that were mentioned would be put to the test of a federal preclearance, right? Uh, So that would say that if you tried to do any of those things, whether it was a poll tax or a literacy test or any other type of intimidation measures at the polls, that the federal government would intervene and say that that would not be allowed. Because, of course, we have a federalist system. So states carry out in many ways and make its own make their own state law. So that beckons to what David is mentioning about formerly incarcerated citizens who have felony records. Um, not being a vote, but that's not in all states, obviously, because states get to really make these rules around criminal legal reform in a lot of ways, as well as voting rights. And so but the federal government can intervene if they deem it a state, a particular state has done something uh, that they should not have done around this until 2013 it's Shelby versus Holder. Um, and Shelby versus Holder was a Supreme Court case. Um, And for people who work in the voting rights sector, I mean, this was a very, very big deal. Um, And this really was a big deal for the country. And a lot of people weren't paying attention or or, or didn't have it on their radar. But what the Supreme Court basically did is take out, um, take out the the actual section of the voting rights act that we're talking about that required states to have to have any change that they make, any changes they make in terms of voting laws, whether it's putting in IDs, voter ID measures, or whatever the case may be, have to be checked by the federal government and be cleared. Well, now uh, what Chevy versus Holder said is that uh, you don't have to have that happen, right? There has to be a preponderance of certain evidence, or it has to be um, in an area where there is a, a high level of proven uh, discrimination in order for that to happen, but a state and local municipality can make these changes without having to do that automatically. And so uh, that really opened the floodgates over the last several years for a bunch of laws. You can go back and you can look and you can see that after that, you started getting uh, all of these just just crazy, crazy, just absolutely crazy and clearly voter suppressionist laws happening all over the country, not just in the South, uh, as a result of them not having uh, to be pre-cleared anymore, right? Um, and so really what we're seeing right now here in Georgia is an outgrowth of a movement of voter suppression that has had a resurgence ever since 2013 with the Shelby Burfus holder case.
0: And and one of the terms that's used versus voter suppression is, now let's move into, uh, by the way, I will say this one, one other form of, of voter suppression or voter representation, maybe misalignment, gerry, gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will. I will include an article on that to show you some of the ways that uh, it power is divided up uh, to keep power, and lines are drawn in light of the census that's just happened. Lines will be drawn, carved out. I'm going to give you clear examples of that uh, as a link in here, and I'll make sure and list that. But with that being said, let's move into SB 202. Uh, again, Billy is on the ground in Georgia, so we're, we're not talking to somebody's aunts, cousins, pastors, best friend, like I said, who sells essential oils in West Virginia. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, this is somebody who's on the ground, who's been dealing with this for years. Uh, give us a broad view, uh, of the overall, um, law, and then pick out a couple of points that are going to, um, uh, for people who, people of color, uh, or people who might be disenfranchised from voting based on some of this new law that has passed, how about that?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, I let me just say that Georgia has become ground zero for the voting rights fight in the United States of America, and that's a dubious distinction. That's not one that we're happy about, but it is a fact. Um, and the reason that is is because um, Georgia will become the first state in all of the South to have a non-white majority. First one, right? So in the next uh, seven or eight years, uh, if the demographics hold, uh, we will have more people in our state, which we call a new state majority, right? That are non-white, African-Americans, Latinos, indigenous folks. Um, As a result of that, right? As a result of that, what that means is there are some political parties, right? Um, Even though some of us insist that the expansion of voting rights should be a nonpartisan issue, there are some political parties who believe that the changing demographics signal something negative for their particular party. They think this new American majority, right, is going to vote Democratic or going to vote whatever, independent, whatever the case may be. So as a result of that, oh, these voter suppression measures have been put in place as a way of restricting the right? The perceived, right, the perceived uh, vote that will come saying that it won't favor one political party. Right. And so that's that's the backdrop for what's really happening here, because, you know, the, the, if if you if the demographics aren't in your favor, the only other thing you can do is change the rules, which is gerrymandering. Right. Or voter suppression, which is basically cheating or, or trying to pick your voters. <laughs> right? right. That's really the only other option you have. So I want to say that as a backdrop. SB 202 uh, comes out of that strategy, right? And that basically says that because of the successes, the perceived successes for Democrats uh, or progressive, so-called progressive folks last year in the runoff and in the general election here in Georgia, that that will be a trend that will continue, right? That's what what one particular party here believes. And I want to just make, I want to say this because I've been saying this everywhere. Um, What's really tragic about that is that the way in which the process is supposed to work is that you put forth candidates and you put forth an agenda that speaks to all people. I don't care what party you are. And you hope that that is persuasive enough to compel people to vote for you. And then I think if that process happens and it's fair, we can all live with the result. Or at least I hope we should. We should Able to live, whatever the result is, right? Unfortunately, what SB two hundred two does, it says, never mind what the arguments are, never mind what the candidates are. We want to put in these particular measures, uh, to make sure that we don't continue to see a surge in the vote. So how does that happen? Well, SB two hundred two says that if there are particular counties, uh, that we're concerned about, we're being the the state, the state government officials, the secretary of state's office, well, they can come in and take over those county board of elections. which This is the most insidious part of the whole SB 202. Right. This is the part that most likely uh, uh, could be thrown out by the courts or overturned by the courts of the federal government, uh, because you can imagine. I mean, I wouldn't want I wouldn't I don't care. I don't care what political parties in charge of the state secretary. Say, I wouldn't want them to have that kind of power to come in and be able to take over uh, a county board of elections uh, if they just see whatever it is that they don't feel right and then say, okay, we'll take it from here. Uh, That has real implications, right, because they can cause polling sites to close early, right? They can keep the election results tied up for months and months by saying we're going to recount and keep recounting, (laughs) right? Right. Um, and all those sort of things. So then that's one. The The other thing is limiting drop boxes in the hours of drop boxes. We had a lot of drop boxes because of covid this time around. It turned out to be a great thing. The actual governor, who is a Republican in our state, voted by drop box, <laughs> I might add. But yet uh, the new provisions would have disallowed him to have been able to vote in the way that he was able to vote uh, because they limited drop boxes and then uh, said that they only needed to be doing uh office hours well i mean that defeats the purpose you could just go inside and vote like if you know why why do it in a drop box if if the office is open the the best purpose of these is for them to be after hours uh the other things that it did is they added all of these extra measures of verification for mail voting because we've had such a large surge in vote by mail because we have no excuse uh, uh vote by mail absentee ballot voting here and many of us in the faith community. Uh, have been mobilizing for a lot of years, me and Senator, now Senator Warnock, he was pastor then. We did a campaign two years ago, statewide campaign encouraging people of faith to vote by mail. Um, and, and so now in order to do that, you gotta uh, you gotta sign the envelope, you gotta send your ID, all of these things uh, that you didn't have to do. Now somebody might say, and we hear this over and over again, well, what's, what's the problem with verification? What's the problem with ID verification, right? Well the problem with that is that we had no we had no actual accounts of voter fraud by mail. Like there's no widespread voter fraud according to vote by mail, uh according to any any standard of investigation that's been done, that's been non prejudiced has said that we didn't have it. So why would why is there a need to add more onerous um measures in place to be able to vote by mail if there's no evidence that the process was wrong? It just, this was almost like Uh, This was a a, a solution in search of a problem. Right. Uh, In many ways. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say, the last one, the thing I'll say quickly is that um, they criminalize being able to pass out water to people standing in line, uh, uh, waiting to vote. So we got long lines here in Georgia as a result of voter suppression. So people of faith and others have mobilized to go and take water to people standing in line. We don't know who they're going to vote for. I know this for a fact. Because nobody in Georgia has mobilized more people to go and do what we call precinct chaplaincy and line warming than I have. I mobilized thousands of people, trained thousands of people all over this country to do this work. And so I know that this is a nonpartisan effort that people come out and give up their time to do just to show care to voters. It's not electioneering. Nobody is asking people who you're going to vote for before they give them a bottle of water or a snack. We have no idea who they're going to vote for. We just want them to stay in line and vote. Well, now that cannot happen under this law or else you could be charged with a crime.
0: And and in light of that, so I'm going to camp on this one just for a second. It's a misdemeanor. According to this law, poll workers, if you're trained and you're working in the polling place, can pass out water. But if you're a volunteer and you pass out water or snacks to those people standing in line, you can be charged with a misdemeanor in the state of Georgia. People of faith, listen, this provision flies in the face of the gospel in that this is something where people should not be afraid to say, if they are intent on citing me for a misdemeanor based on this law, by showing compassion based on the commands and the edicts of the gospel, then it's time for us to get that misdemeanor on our record. It's time for us people of faith just to say, hey, look, I'm going to have a misdemeanor on my record. If they want to charge me, they're going to have to charge me for it. So um, let's let's go back to uh, the identification, providing identification for, for mail voting. There's going to be a lot of uh, questions. By the way, again, it's going to be linked in here. Today is uh, April 13th just for in case there are parts of the law that get tossed out. I'm just giving a historical perspective. Right. Uh, but let's go back to the identification part. So if somebody wants to vote by mail, the, the amount of time, was it decreased the amount of time for uh vote by mail? Was it also decreased in the law? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, the, uh, the, time timeframe right. was limited. Uh, I think it's two weeks or something like that now, but like we had a, so before you could, you could do it. There was, there's almost a month, but not just of, of, so not just of voting by mail, but also early voting period. Right. Like, full early voting period, uh, was, was, uh, pretty extensive. So they limited that, that amount of time.
0: So if you want to early vote or if you want to vote by mail in Georgia, uh, you have to send off to request that there's, an, you don't have to have an excuse to reason of, to vote by mail, uh, and Alabama you do. Uh, but, in order to do that, we're talking about identification. Do you have to send a copy of your identification or the identification itself in with the registration? Because I'm not sure there.
1: Now you got to send a copy of your uh, driver's license. Okay, so you do. Co- not yeah, you have to send a copy of it now. Yeah. So before you only needed to put in your driver's license number on on the actual um, on the actual application. Right. But now you have to verify, you know, by picture that this is you. <laughs> right. Instead of just putting the number.
0: And and, and again, uh, let's just think because it's not going to be people just in Georgia, or Alabama who are watching this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture for you uh, in the place that that I go and cast my ballot. I'm very thankful that people that work at the poll are trained. Uh, there, there's a high number of people staffing that facility. And I have, in any of the times I voted, and I voted in this same location for the last four or five years, I've never had to wait until this last election, presidential election. I had to wait almost an hour, but by the time I got to the door, I was in and out in under five minutes. All other elections, I've been in and out in under 20 minutes. But there are places in Georgia where people stand in line, right? And the amount of time they stand in line on average, is give me give me some type of.
1: Well, it depends. I think it depends on the election. Um, There have been elections. So I I stood in two thousand and eight. In that election, I stood at eight hours to vote. I did a shift. <laughs> I did a full job shift, eight hours. No, I think it was nine hours actually. It clocked in at just under nine hours. Then in two thousand twelve, I was about five hours that it took me to vote uh, in 2012. Uh, and after that, I kind of got the message. I was like, okay, I'm voting by mail, <laughs> Right. right. Or oh, I'm okay. voting there. I'm, so, not, I'm not voting on Election Day anymore. So, so yeah.
0: I, I'm just thinking, I'll use the example, a single mom with kids who's working two jobs, she can't afford to go stand in line for five and eight hours, oh, yeah. much less, let's think about yeah. somebody who's a disadvantaged, who has to take the bus, who yeah. has to we want everybody to have the opportunity to vote and it may be voting by mail. It is works. may be what's best for people who are disenfranchised, who are disadvantaged those opportunities. And in doing so, as Billy mentioned, there were no cases uh, so far that have been shown to have voter fraud by mail. Right? So this was almost a preemptive. And in reading the 98 page law that again will be attached, you're going to see statements in there about, uh, people being concerned about fraud and that's why this was done, but yet there's no this was a, a solution looking for a problem, I think is how you phrased it. Um so it's something that hadn't been shown to be true. Yeah. Uh drop boxes being limited, the hours yeah. on the drop boxes being limited, uh, having to send in identification uh, for requesting the ballot as well as when you send the ballot back in, correct? You got to do it Sorry. on both both times. Uh, the restrictiveness. Now, I will say this because a lot of people voted by mail due to COVID and other Mm -hmm. restrictions uh, in the time that we live. Again, this is April 13th, 2021. Uh, Those people who have, uh, whether you're in Georgia, Alabama, wherever, in this most difficult year that we just experienced, you may have lost your home. You may have uh, moved and those type of things. As you prepare for this next season of voting, Please make sure that you know where your voter registration card is. Please make sure that you check your local website to find out where you're supposed to vote. Make sure that you update your address because if your address doesn't match and you stand in line, like Billy talked about five hours, you get up there to find out you're supposed to be voting uh, 30 minutes away. Now you got to stand in line again. Uh, We want to make sure people have the tools and resources to be fully equipped uh, to know how to do those things. And, and, and that about line warming, um, I'll tell you one of the stories that I heard. Um, somebody made the comment to me, as I mentioned, I was going to be having you on and they said, Oh, well, that's because uh, people uh, they, they pass out water with uh, the candidate's picture on it and do those types of things. And I said, how about this? Versus uh, these type of stories that you can't cite. Why don't we talk to somebody who's actually been involved in the process uh uh, with Billy, and so uh, Billy
1: is is on the ground. Yeah, I'm I mean, it's. There's no other way to say it. That's that's a lie. It's just not true. <laughs> I mean, look, look. The, there is so much press that has covered our line warming and what we call pole chaplaincy over the years. Like you can read the articles. Like media has covered, come out and covered what we've done. Literally, faith leaders. Uh, who I could name high profile faith leaders has come from all over the country to come line with me. Like it's a thing. They come here and all they do is they'll bring their children and they come and pass out water to people who are standing in lines because these notorious long lines here in Georgia have become a national story. And so faith leaders will come here and do that. They would not come here and do that if it was a part of some illegal by the way election process right election electioneering or campaigning for a party that it just doesn't happen right it just doesn't happen um there are pictures that you can go and look at of people who've been out doing this work and they don't have on anything other than the organization maybe that brought sent them out there uh but other than that Oh, uh, I mean, this is this was Aquafina. It's Dasani. It's it's Kroger water. That's what it is. It, now, my check. They aren't on the ballot. You know? it, it's,
0: it's not the, it's not it's not the old church fan that had the funeral home logo on the back of it.
1: When you, oh, no, to, you no, made sure that that logo right. was facing you no. and Jesus was on the other side. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this doesn't happen. Yeah. What, what this is, what this is. And this is this is what it is happening. The perception once again of a particular political party, unfortunately, right, is that a part that line warming and poll chaplaincy is a part of the democratic voter turnout machine, right? And it's just not true, right? Um if so here the 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 point is sure in urban communities. There is lots of activity that happens at those polling sites in terms of food being given out, in terms of music being played. Like part of the reason, though, is because those are the communities that end up having the longest lines. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if they didn't have such long lines, none of that would need be necessary to happen to try to encourage people. You see. So it's not that. Uh, This is some type of process of a partisan uh, sort of sort of partisan activity happening. It's just that we're going where the need is. We're going where compassion is needed the most, because that's where the longest Mm -hmm. lines are. There's a place called Crystal City on the south side of Atlanta in 2012. Polls closed at seven o'clock. The line was so long because, you know, the, whoever's in the last person in line at seven o'clock gets to vote. Now, nobody after that. But the last person in line gets to vote. Think about that. I was at that polling site till 1030 or 11 o'clock at night because people were still voting. Mm. Right. That's how long the lines were right at that point. And, I, and you can Jennifer Butler, who is the, the CEO of Faith and Public Life. She ain't a Georgia citizen. She live in D.C. She was here. She'll tell you she came out <laughs> to and she saw the long lines like that. Like and one of the reasons that that polling site was was like that is because they didn't have enough surge protectors. To run all the voting machines, you see what I'm saying? Right. And so and this is this is a, a, a almost 100 percent African-American facility right so so th- this is what i'm talking about when we say that there is the the narrative of what people want to believe right in sort of media and whatever it is they're watching in terms of news or tv or whatever right and then there's what actually happens on the ground right from people who actually do this work like myself who, sure, I take my vote for a particular group or whatever, but when I organize people, I don't care who they vote for. I'm trying to expand democracy and make sure everybody has access. And so this is the truth.
0: Mm. That's so good. Uh, Guys, I'll say this. Educate yourself. It is not Billy's responsibility to educate you about the history of voter suppression. It is not Billy's responsibility to make sure uh, that you can go and read these links about how to update your voter registration. Those. Are, I'm so glad that he does this, but we we are in a day and age that there is uh, there are credible sources out there that can help us. Billy being part of on-the-ground activity is a blessing. Uh, and to have him on the podcast today to be able to share this with us. All the links that we've talked about, all the stories are going to be listed in the descriptions. And so you can go and read them, uh, pray over them, help people, help those around us. Pray toward this end, but also, again, thoughts and prayers isn't enough. Let's take action to encourage people to register to vote, to be educated about voting. The process, Uh, let's demand better from our leaders Let's demand uh, a change that allows people to be able to place their vote, to make their vote count. Uh, Billy, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a blessing. I, I'm going to ask you if you would, would you just close us with a quick word of prayer just yeah. to encourage the people who are listening to the podcast?
1: Of course. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the Absolutely, conversation. man. Yeah. Gracious God, we thank you for uh, this wonderful opportunity to be in conversation uh, about what it means to be uh, faithful, faithful citizens uh, in these uh, United States of America. Uh, We are living in challenging times, but we know uh, that wherever uh, there is great challenge, there's also great possibility. And you are the God who tells us that all things are possible uh when it is that we put our trust in you and so god we ask that you would do what you can only do and that is that you would make the crooked places straight and the rough places mm. uh that you would uh be that bridge uh over divides and that you would be the motivation uh for us to live our best civic lives oh god uh and that you would push us in the path and in the way that you would have us to go understanding that uh our voice is our vote, and that uh, you have called us to lift every voice and to lift every vote uh, as an expression of, of your image uh, in all of us, and that when any of us don't speak, we recognize, oh God, that we limit uh, an element of your truth, and so God, I ask that you would do all that good work, and we'll be careful to give you honor, praise, and glory. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.